grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are in week three of a sermon series called Believe, looking at the lies that we believe in our lives, the lies that the world tells us, the lies that get in the way of further understanding ourselves. Last week, Pastor Jason shared on the lie of, I'm not good enough. It's a lie that I think a lot of people hear. The world pushes on us constantly, and a lot of people, unfortunately, take it to heart, and we, we let it affect who we are and how we view ourselves. If that message spoke to you or you hear that, and you're like, man, I really need to hear that, you can go on our website. You can also go on our YouTube channel. Share that with somebody because a lot of people are experiencing that lie that we're just not good enough. And I realized that, that for some people, that message was perfect, was exactly what you needed to hear. You need to hear the message that you are good enough. But for some, that was possibly the last thing you need to hear. Because I've experienced a lot of people who use that line of I'm not good enough as an excuse to justify bad behavior. In marital counseling, a lot of times I'll be sitting there and, and you'll hear kind of this conflict rising up and, and one or the other will say, it just feels like I'm not good enough for you. And, and they'll line up like, well, you're, you're messy, you're disorganized, you're, you're, you, don't, you sleep in, all these different things. And they'll say, well, that's, that's just the way that I am. You knew who I was when you married me. Well, that's the lie we're talking about today. That's just the way that I am. Because that's a lie that can be just as damaging. And it works, it seems like it's the opposite of the idea of I'm not good enough, but it actually works together with that idea. This, this message of this is just the way that I am. You just have to accept me. I just have to accept that this is just the way I am. But before we go into that message, let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today for this chance where we can come together and worship you. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message. Lord, let it be your message. I pray that you move me out of the way that you speak in this place to everybody here and those joining online as well. Lord, let your Holy Spirit be at work in a real and powerful way. I submit myself to you and I pray that all who hear these words would be willing to do the same so that your spirit would speak truth to each and every one of us. We pray all these things through your son Jesus in his name. Amen. I remember early on in my ministry, I was helping out at a church, uh, and they had uh, what they called a Friendship Sunday. And the idea was they challenged each member of their congregation to bring a friend. They had all sorts of extra events going on and stuff during the day, and, and the idea was to really drive up attendance, to, to help bolster things and get some excitement going. And so I helped out, and I, I'll never forget sitting in the sacristy after the late service, and I was hanging up my robe, and the senior pastor was sitting there, and he kind of slumped down in his chair, and he sighed, and he made the comment, maybe, maybe this is just the size of the church it is, and we should just give up trying, because the attendance that day was the exact same as the attendance number the week prior. And I've thought a lot about that statement. Maybe we should just accept the size of the church that we have, because there's a lot to unpack there. Right, Because on the one hand, you could look at that and say, you know, we're, we're trusting that this is God's church. We're trusting that, that if he wants it to grow, he will grow it. And, and that's a good thing, right? It's recognizing that, that we're doing his work and that's good enough. That's the one side. But that's not the angle 
that this pastor was approaching it from. He was approaching it dejected and defeated. He was basically saying, why do we even bother trying? It's in direct opposition to the Great Commission. We should go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, seeking to grow the kingdom of God, right? And I've thought about that statement of of this balance between accepting and trusting in God, that, that God's going to do the work, but then also working ourselves. And it's a tension that we have to really balance. And it's true within the individual too, right? We wrestle with the idea of not being good enough and, and the idea of being accepted, um, but then also trying to be better. As we were having meetings talking about uh, a potential director of youth, children, and family, Lori Schumelak uh, mentioned that the person should have kind of this, this intuition when to shift from being accepting to being challenging, especially when talking to teenagers, because teenagers, so many teenagers need to hear the message, you're okay. You're good enough the way you are because the world's telling them just the opposite. The world says you need to be smarter, you need to get better grades, you need to be prettier, you need to be thinner, you need to be more popular, you need to be a better athlete, whatever it is. You need to be this. And so there's that message of acceptance. But then there's that intuition, that moment where you shift from acceptance to, okay, how can we be better? How can we improve? How can we seek to grow, right? We see this in Jesus's ministry as he he reaches out to uh, say the woman caught in adultery, right? He says, woman, I don't condemn you. He, He has all the other Pharisees, they leave. And he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. You are forgiven. You are good enough as a person that God loves you and sees worth within you, but you should also be striving to be better, That's the tension that we have to balance. That's the tension that I have to balance as a preacher. It's kind of walking that. Dr. John Townsend, who runs an institution over connected with Concordia University in Irvine, California, um, he wrote a book called Running or Hiding from Love. Hiding from Love. And in it, he says that people have the two biggest problems that people have. The first is that we are unfinished people. And he uses that word unfinished intentionally because he, he recalls growing up that there was this house in his neighborhood. There was an old mansion that had fallen into disrepair. The walls had been falling down. There was mold. There was all sorts of issues, foundation issues. And he remembers it being just a wreck until one time a family bought it and started painstakingly restoring it. And he says that I remember driving by and seeing as it was on different states of construction and it had to get worse before it got better. They had to tear down what was there in order to rebuild it, right? And it was unfinished. And it would be easy to say, well, this is worthless. There's no walls. That's one of the main things you need in a house. But it's not worthless. In fact, it's just the opposite. That some family looked at that house and said, there are good bones there. There's something good within this house and we're going to, with love, restore it. It's the same for us as people. It's not that we're flawed. It's not that we're broken. It's not that there's something wrong with us. It's we're unfinished. We're in the process of rebuilding ourselves in various states. Some are further along than others. And we can't get caught in that trap of comparison. So he says the first thing, the first big problem is that we are unfinished people. The second thing that he says is a problem is that we are afraid of the very thing that we need. We are afraid of the very thing that we need because if we examine our lives, 
If we examine our shortcomings, so often the thing that we need to do, the step that we need to take to become stronger, to become better, to, to live more sanctified lives, to, it's not about our forgiveness, but instead about trying to live more and more like God. The step that we need to take to get there is the very thing that we're the most afraid of. Scripture says it like this. This comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. If you remember two weeks ago, I talked about the word dunamis, power. That's where we get the word dynamite from, right? Explosive power. That divine power is there to destroy or demolish strongholds. In our lives, we often have these strongholds, these little areas that we've cordoned off that contain our sin, that contain the things that we're most afraid of, the things that we are uh, the weakest about, that we're afraid of people finding out about. Sometimes it's because we developed a coping mechanism when we were younger. Maybe it's because we've been through trauma. Maybe we just, it's something we don't want to address, but we build these strongholds and we'll say, yeah, everybody can see everything about me except for these areas. And we build up these strongholds of sin. Here are some examples that you may experience. Maybe you have a financial stronghold. And that stronghold manifests itself as, you know, if I just get just a little bit more money, if I work just a little bit harder and that, that bank account grows just a little bit more, then I can relax and spend more time with my family. Then I can finally spend time actually communicating with God. Or maybe it's the other way around and you're like one of those people that says, well, I I'm just not good with money. You know, money comes in and immediately goes out. I'm just not good at saving it or organizing it. That's just the way that I am. Maybe your stronghold is about relationships and you have some, some damage from the past. You have some hurts in your past and you say, you know what? I had to build up walls to not get hurt again. And I'm, I'm just gonna give up trying to find somebody because I'm, I don't wanna open myself up to that again. Or, or maybe it's a family relationship that has become strained over time and you're afraid of even seeing that person because you're afraid of what might happen and you build up that stronghold, that wall. Maybe your stronghold is mental. You know that you have personality weaknesses and you're afraid of trying to delve into that. Maybe your, your stronghold is physical and you look at your body and you feel less than something. Maybe your strongholds are spiritual and you think, yeah, you know, I come to church, but I just kind of go through the motions. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be in the Bible study because what if they ask questions? I'm not even really sure that I want to go to church because then, what, you know, what if people kind of see through me? We have all these strongholds. What if your stronghold is habitual? You have some sort of addiction in your life, some sort of dependency that you know is wrong, but you've built up that stronghold and you've justified it in your mind. And you say, this is just part of who I am at this point. See, these strongholds begin to tear us down. Why are we scared to release these strongholds? Why are we scared to open up and let God in? Because it's a lot easier to be defeated. It's a lot easier to just roll over and say, this is just part of my life, and I've been managing it fine so far. It's a lot easier to just be defeated by that sin in our lives, by those mistakes that we know that if anybody ever gets past that wall, our lives are gonna be ruined. We, as Christians, aren't supposed to be defeated. No, in fact, we are more than conquerors. We are given a God who gives us strength, who gives us endurance, 
who will be by our side even as we deal with those strongholds of sin in our lives. We are called to be more than conquerors. In our epistle reading, we saw the old has gone and the new has come. What was happening in our past, what we have that we're scared of, what we have walled off, all those traumas, that PTSD, whatever it is, it's time to leave that in the past and become something new through Jesus Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. We are called to be ambassadors for God. And that means not living perfect lives. That means not having a beautiful facade. Being an ambassador for Christ, for the Messiah, for a Savior, means recognizing that we're sinful, that we have mistakes, and that it's only God who can help us through those things. If a Christian ever acts like they are perfect, then they don't understand what it means to be a follower of a Savior. Okay, so this is all well and good to talk about, right? You're like, that sounds good, yeah. But how? What, what do we do with this? Like, what, what are we supposed to, how do we handle this? How do we release these strongholds in our life? Three steps, three steps. They sound easy, but they're not. I'll, full disclosure, these are difficult things. The first step is figure out who you are. Get to know yourself. Spend time actually searching your soul. Take a personality test. Take a spiritual inventory, whatever. Talk to somebody who, I don't know, is an expert in the field. Right? So often we WebMD our mental health. You ever been on WebMD and like you're like, I wonder why I have a headache right now. Oh, I may not have a brain according to this. This same, we do the same thing with our mental health. Well, why am I kind of feeling a little tired all the time? Oh, it must just be stress. Well, why am I feeling I, nothing brings me joy anymore? Talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. As a kid, growing up, um, I struggled in school a lot. I did not get good grades. I mean, elementary school all the way through. Until junior year of high school, uh, my mom took me uh, to, I think it was a psychiatrist, and I took a very long test, and they came back and said that I have severe ADHD. I know, big surprise, right? No shock to you people. But for me, as a junior in high school, this was like, oh, well, what does that mean? Because, you know, the common perception of what ADHD is, it just means like a squirrel runs by and you get distracted, right? But there's something more to it. There's actual like scientific, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. And so the thing that helps you to organize your thoughts doesn't exist. And so I suddenly realized as a junior in high school, maybe I'm not dumb. Maybe I'm not as stupid as I thought. Maybe it's not that I'm just not good at this. Maybe it's that my brain is literally wired differently than the average person. Maybe there is something, a disorder that I'm dealing with. And it helped me to realize by figuring out who I am that I wasn't worthless. Helped me to realize that just maybe as God had already spoken to me and said, this is what I want you to do in your life to become a pastor. Maybe I could follow through on that because I could get through school. See, the first step is figuring out who you are. But the second step is figuring out who you could be. It's dreaming a little bit. That's something that I've challenged us here to do at Christ Memorial, to look beyond just the here and now and say, what could we be? Let it be true for you too. What could I be? Because then I started researching and saying, okay, uh, these are some ways that I can cope with this. These are some ways that I can deal with my ADHD to get me through school so I won't fail out, so I don't constantly think of myself as a failure. For you, what would it look like 
if you gave up some of those personality quirks, if suddenly you started to work on your anger or your distance, maybe you started sharing a little bit more. What would it look like if you left that addiction in the rearview mirror? What would it look like if you spent more time with your family, with your friends? What would it look like if you fought through those weaknesses that you've let define you? That lie of this is just the way that I am. What would your life be like if you worked to get stronger in those areas? Dream a little bit. Then the last step. The first step is getting to know yourself, figuring out who you are. The second step is figuring out who you could be. Then the last step, this is the hardest one, guys. I'm really sorry for it. Do the work. It's not enough for me to just know the steps about how to deal with ADHD. It was actually taking the time to, to start writing notes to myself, to start being more organized, to start using the tricks that are in place. Last week, Pastor Jason talked about forgiving yourself uh, for thinking that you're an apple tree when you're actually a fig tree, right? So often we look at ourselves and try and compare ourselves to other people. And when we're not fulfilling that same way, we're not living that same way, we're down on ourselves. And he talked about being okay with who you are. And that's great. Forgive yourself for not being an apple tree. But then you know what you need to do as a fig tree? Grow some figs, right? Start showing some fruit. Start putting in the work. Start improving your life. I mean, Jesus came along and saw a fig tree that wasn't producing figs. And he said, nope. See, we are called to produce fruit. We got to start putting in the work. We got to start actually taking the time to address those behaviors, address those strongholds in our life. We can't just keep having it walled off and say, no, it'll be fine. This is just the way that I am. God calls us to be something more. Let's challenge ourselves. See, as Christians, we have a leg up. As Christians, we have a freedom that comes from our God. We have a freedom because we don't have to live trying to win our salvation. We have a freedom because we don't have to try and give a, a checklist. Am I good enough? I don't know. We have freedom through Christ who's already done that for us. We have a freedom as Christians to fail. We don't have to be afraid of failure because just like the prodigal son, we know that our God is there to welcome us home. Our God is there with love and compassion. He knows as we struggle. He knows that we are broken just like everybody else. He knows that you deal with that sin. So take hold of the freedom that God gives you. Leave behind the lies of the world that say you're not good enough. This is just who you are. Don't try any harder. Don't strive. Just give in. Be stagnant. That's comfortable. Just be defeated. God calls us to be more than conquerors. So may we respond to that. May we start to live in the way that is God-pleasing. May we start to live more and more like Christ so that others would look at us and say, what's the reason for the hope that you have? And we can point to a God who gives us the strength to live every single day. My brothers and sisters in Christ, may we be okay with who we are, but then strive to be who we could be, all by the grace of God and through the love of Christ. Amen.